Okay, perfect. All right, sorry about that. All good. So, welcome. How are you? I'm good, man. How how about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Well, um, thank you guys. Welcome to the Patriots Post Report. This is on a Tuesday. Um, man, that was a what an interesting game that was, huh? So I have to admit, um, I was at my mom's funeral during the game, so I had to catch up uh, afterward. And uh, you know, it uh, it was an interesting game in the sense that. I felt like the Patriots looked exactly the way that I thought that they would all season. And yeah. uh, the Jets looked like I thought they would look all season, but I don't think they're going to look quite as bad throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, it was, um, I was, I, I know a lot of the haters are going to be like, oh, well, you know, you guys face the Jets. Okay, well, I mean, you also got to realize too that that Dolphins game, they didn't really have it clicking it wasn't really all there. Um, it didn't really feel all that established, whereas now, because it's always hard to, you know, you always talk about that first game where it's like, it's super hard to um, kind of prepare for that first game just because you've never seen anyone. Like, there's all the new guys, all you know, new guys from the off season, and you're always just getting new people. So it is really tough for that first game. And, um, yeah, the Dolphins game just wasn't all there. And that Jets game, we just we, – they played how they needed to. A couple mistakes, obviously, it's – you know, you're not going to play perfect. But I thought overall overall it was pretty good. Um, So, I don't know how much you kind of really caught up on. But one thing I was – and I personally expected this. I don't know about you, but their run game, I expected it to kind of really be there this year. Um. You bring in Mac Jones, obviously, from the draft. You're not going to heavily rely on him on his first year. Um, and they have the run game, obviously. I think, isn't Ramondre Stevenson hurt right now? Yeah, and he also fumbled his first carry of the year. So uh, he may not see another carry for the rest of his life, if we know Belichick. Yeah, anything about Belichick. I mean, you look at, you know, when I immediately saw that with Ramondre Stevenson, I immediately thought of, remember when we had Jonas Gray? Back in 2015, yes, I, I immediately like... kind of thought about him because that's exactly what happened to him. It just like he played really well, then he just fell off. Well, um, I think the thing too to to take it to a macro level is yeah. the running back position in the NFL is completely devalued compared to what it once was, uh, and and so most teams that are out there, uh, you know, with a running game are not giving you the same running game as they did back when Barry Sanders played, or even when guys like LaDainian Tomlinson played, like there's no such thing anymore as a feature back the way that there used to be. And the Patriots mm. have made that. So they have really uh, cornered the market, if you will, in terms of being able to get a lot from a little in the running back position. Like the last uh, big time rusher that the Patriots had was Corey Dillon. Uh, and that was in 2004 or 2005. One of those two, I think it was in either in 04 and 05. And he had like a 1700 yard season. And that's really the last time they had a guy like that who was the guy. I mean, even they brought in LeGarrette Blunt a few times. Mm. He's the goal line guy. Obviously, James White is your pass catching back. He's not a guy you're going to rely on 100%. Uh, even bringing in Sony Michelle, they had a dual purpose backfield. Uh, you know, Ben Jarvis Greenellis, another guy. Like, there's so many guys, Lawrence Maroney over the years, that yep. the Patriots have basically tandem 
you know, they, they've, they've not really had like a feature guy. And even if you look at teams in the league, sure, they have a number one running back, but most of the teams in the league don't win because they have a number one running back. And I think the Steelers are the perfect example of a team that is trying to have a number one running back, but doesn't have a good running game. Yeah, they don't really seem to have. Yeah, I see what you mean with that. Like it's it's there, but they don't have the potential to evolve that and turn it into something that you'll consistently see. Like I've noticed that they have it, but it's just like little breakthroughs that they'll have, and then it doesn't. Like it really doesn't go anywhere. Like it doesn't evolve into much. Like the last, you know, we haven't seen that with the Steelers since Le'Veon Bell consistently with a run game. Um, and with New England, you talk about Corey Dillon. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the last time we've seen it recently. It's, you know, of course, James White, the, the, the catching back, but then you also have, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, likely Garrett Blunt, um, in a lot of ways. And I really, really wish he didn't fumble that. Cause I knew, I know Belichick, he isn't going to play him now for a little bit till he feels comfortable again with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, so I was looking at these. I had these game notes written down from the game as a. I didn't get to watch the game, so it was really tough because it wasn't on TV for me. Okay. Um, so I just kind of kept up with whatever I. I probably wrote down a little too much, but I mean, I'd rather have too much than too little. Right. So, so I'll yeah, give you so, my. I'll, I'll give you my personal take on yeah. on the game and and just the team in general because. You and I haven't really talked ever about the Patriots, so um, no, you yeah. know, for, for your listening audience's uh, uh, awareness, my name is Matty Ice. I'm a fellow podcast host, and you and I met each other on Twitter, and we happen to both be Patriots fans, I believe. Yep. Um, and you know, I'm I'm probably a little bit older than you are. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and assume that since I'm almost forty. Um, oh, so I've yeah. se- I have seen uh, some Patriots teams along the way, and this Patriot team coming into the season, so so 2020 season was a rebuilding year for many different reasons. And it's not even necessarily rebuild. Uh, they, they move on from Tom Brady. Now, they had 19 seasons of Tom Brady. And there's nobody, at least in my mind, that should be ever complaining about the fact that he left because he gave us 19 years and six Super Bowls. That is what it is. Uh, yeah. Last year was a perfect year to have what I call a stopgap year with Cam Newton because COVID took everything from everybody and it made everything askew in a lot of ways. So the, the season last year, was a coaching miracle for Belichick going seven and nine. They could have been 10 and six, uh, you know, bounce here, bounce there. Cam doesn't fumble in the bills game, right? There's a few things that happened along the way that could have turned the Patriots way and it didn't. So they bring in Mac Jones this year and Mac Jones is a very, very similar makeup to 2001 Tom Brady. And I, I used this stat the other day because, you know, I saw a lot of people talking about how Mac Jones didn't do anything to win them the football game, uh, on Sunday. Well, his stat line was, what, 22 of 30, 186, zero touchdowns, zero picks, right? So, obviously, yeah. he didn't turn the ball over, which is a huge thing out of your rookie quarterback. But the first start of Tom Brady's career for the Patriots in 2001. So, Bledsoe got hurt, and he finished that game against the Jets, and he comes in the next game. And his stat line was 13 of 23, 168 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. The Patriots won that game 44 to 13. And the opposing quarterback in that game was Peyton Manning. So this is very much the blueprint of the 2021 Patriots. They are going to be defense first. They're going to have an effective run game. And they're not going to ask Mac Jones to do too much. 
And that's, I think, the story of this game is that the Jets need Zach Wilson to do too much. And you saw that. The passes that he threw downfield, he was forcing in. He's a little bit more of a gunslinger than Mac Jones. Mac Jones is being asked to be a game manager. Take care of the ball. Don't make mistakes. They might take a shot or two. But they, they know that because the rest of the team is really good and the coaching is superior. The Jets, who have not won anything of substance since going to AFC title games in, I think, 20, 2009 and 2010 with Mark Sanchez, yeah. something yep. like that. Yep. That's the last time they did anything of significance. Anything. And so they don't have the same uh, you know, reliable coaching staff where Belichick can lean on his 40 years of coaching, his six Super Bowls, he's been to 10 or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, and, and there is there there is leverage there. There is an advantage to that, you know, to being able to do that. And that's why Nick Saban's able to be so so successful as well because he knows what he has. And that was the story overall for me of the game. Is the Patriots are a team that are going to surprise people, but they're not going to wow people. And I think in today's NFL, where so many offenses wow you because there's so many great quarterbacks and skill position players like. The Ravens-Chiefs game is a good example of that. Yeah, Patriots yep. are not going to get involved in a game like that because no. they don't really have the offensive firepower to do that. But if they can keep the games in the 20s somewhere, the low 20s, they have a chance. And that's exactly what that 2001 team did in beating the Rams. So uh, it can be done. The NFL is just different around them than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, and perfect points, too, by the way, from you. Um, I wanted to touch on what you just talked about with the um... – uh, what was it you just talked about? Um, you touched on the uh, – I just completely forgot it. I was going to say it. Um, All right. I mean, I talked about, um, you know, the, the fact that they're going to be built on defense first. They're going to be a running team first. They're not going to ask Mac Jones to do too much. Or make yeah, that's what, mistakes. There you go. that's what I was going to say. Um, you talked about, you know, having that run game and everything. You know, they're not going to wow you. They, the one thing I've noticed with New England is, yeah, they never really. I mean, and even up till recently, they it almost seems like they never really have. I mean, you talk about this ever changing, ever evolving, I should say, NFL uh, that we have today compared to what we had 10, 15 years ago. You know, it's they've never really did much wowing. The game just really comes down to the end. Like, New England's never like they've had blowout wins, but. As of recently, it's always been kind of closer, slower, methodical games, more planned out, running attack, uh, low scoring, maybe, I guess not low scoring. I guess if you count mid-20s, low scoring or not, I guess it depends on how you take it. But it's it's more methodical, slow approach. They're not, Yeah, like you said, they're not going to wow you, but it's a game where they're going to just play it the way they need to because they're not going to, you know, it's it's that they yeah either they don't have it because like the Chiefs and Ravens they have that, you know they have that deep they have all that other stuff they have running quarterbacks, but obviously you know Belichick as much as I do he isn't gonna go for that he's gonna stick with what works, well pocket quarterback works for him, and he's gonna play it a methodical way he isn't gonna try and go out there and impress you, he's gonna try and go out there play it his way play it methodical play it slow play the run game. I expected that this year. Um, my, my my take on the game at this point is I think they played it exactly how they should have. The, you know, the run game played out perfectly. I saw, you know, Damien Harris's run 
carrying everyone like it was LeGarrette Blunt out there. Um, you know, just playing it the way they needed to, playing playing slow, playing methodical. In today's world, yeah, that, that game is perfect. That is, That game isn't going to wow you. But it was yeah. an attraction to see because Belichick played it the way he needed to, and it was enough to get the win. And it was perfect in that sense. One thing the Patriots have historically done, so I, to to go back to your point about the Patriots not wowing you. So the Patriots story arc in the Tom Brady era um, is is very interesting because the first you know third of it, if you will, from 2001 to 2006, they were that team. Uh, grinded out, good running game, didn't turn the ball over. You know, Brady, if you look at his numbers from early in his career, he averaged something like 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions a year. So you know, yeah, and it wasn't going to wow you either. No, exactly. Uh, they they switched things up when they brought in Randy Moss. They brought in Wes Welker, mm-hmm. and that 2007 team was one of the greatest NFL teams we've ever seen. Certainly offensively, I think they broke the record for most points in a game. Uh, they were they were throwing teams out. Brady gets hurt mm-hmm. in 08, comes back in 09, and the dynamic of that team is a little bit different. And then they changed the game even further when they drafted Aaron Hernandez and Gronk. And that two tight end offense, they became high-flying offense just in a different way. There was no team in the league that was doing that. And then mm-hmm. over the last few years, you know, Gronk starts to get hurt. Obviously, we know what happened with Aaron Hernandez. Uh, they sort of changed a little bit to where they weren't high-flying. And again, they were doing a lot with a little. There was yep. a, a period of time there in the early 2010s where the Patriots were scoring 30 points on the regular. And yeah. the, the Redskins, well, they're not called that anymore at the time, I think because I live in the D.C. area, had mm-hmm. gone something like three seasons without scoring 30 points, which wow. is is low scoring. Yeah. And the Patriots have come back full circle in that regard. And you're right, though. Uh, the, the cornerstone of this team is going to be the defense. And I think it's because they had so many players opt out last year. And key players, too. We're not talking like... Oh, eight, yeah, you got like Dante Hightower, you know, the yeah. captain of that defense, for exactly. sure. Exactly, exactly. Who is still kind of at the tail end of his prime. Um, obviously... You know, you got uh, J.C. Jackson, who's a great corner. I would and... like to po- – sorry to cut you off. I would like to point out, though, uh, Dante Hightower. You did mention that he, he is on the back end for sure, but I think what makes him so special too is the fact that, yeah, he may be on the tail end. You can kind of see it, but the fact that he's still someone you worry about when you face the Patriots mm-hmm. is really scary. Like, Oh, yeah. He's I on agree. the tail end, but he's completely like – scary to face if you're like like um new orleans this week you're going to be scared to go up against dante hightower because last year you're like oh well they don't have them they're not going to do anything he's already made a, a lot of difference this season already in two games he it's makes crazy. a lot of, he makes a lot of difference he also fits the mold of the traditional linebacker that the patriots have had in the yeah. belichick era I mean, you go back even all the way to like Teddy Bruschi, your Willie mm-hmm. McGinnis guys, and that's obviously stretching, you know, probably before you were born, but that started it. Uh, guys that are good communicators, guys that are field generals, and even like the Gerard Mayos, uh, yep. Dante Hightower, right? Mike Vrabel, your mm-hmm. current you know, Titans head coach. I mean, all these guys are very much in the same mold. Rob Ninkovich, uh, a little bit, you know, more of a recent example, but uh, yeah, and those, but those things matter because a defense is very much predicated on their communication. And when your leader is is missing, it's asking a lot. And there were some games last year that you probably watched that the Patriots could not stop the run. Nope. And nope. when you can't when you can't stop the run, and this is what their offense is going to be predicated on, it opens up so much in the offense because you have to be worried about the run 
so much so that you open up the passing lanes. Now you're not double teaming guys, right? And so, yep. and the Patriots also couldn't get pressure last year. And a cornerstone of defense in the NFL period, and we saw this to use a Patriots reference in the Falcons Super Bowl a handful of years ago. The yep. Falcons could not get to Brady with four, and that defense could not put pressure on him. That what did they have in? What did they have in that game? A couple of hits late in the game, was it? And they weren't even sacks. They were just a couple of pressures. Yeah, and but like what they don't, what what with Brady specifically, what mm. you can't do with Brady is give him enough time to think. Brady already releases yep. the ball quicker than still almost any quarterback in the league, which um, is scary. It is, but in in a lot of these games, that you know, more recently, especially the Falcons game, they couldn't put pressure on him. And that's why the Patriots were able to carve them up offensively and just pretty much do what they wanted. And that's just, that, that's a recipe for disaster anytime. And it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. If you give them enough time, they're going to be able to throw open or find open guys. Because as we see, you know, you do the scramble drill. And that's the thing about Mac Jones, I think, to bring it to the 2021 Patriots, yep. is Mac Jones is a guy who he's not fast. No. But he's not Tom Brady slow. Like Tom Brady has never been seen as fast ever. And no, Mac yeah. Jones can move enough. And what you need in today's NFL is to be able to move out of the pocket, step up in the pocket, or move the pocket for yourself to allow your receivers to run routes, get open, so you can find these guys. And I think this year, the expectations for Mac Jones, and I don't live in New England anymore, and I have a little bit of a tap on New England, but okay. you know, if, if the expectations are that Mac Jones is going to be elite this year, they're unfair expectations. That's not the way the team is built. Five no. years from now, that's your expectation is that Mac Jones will have taken all the leaps that you want out of him. But I think the biggest thing that Mac Jones has going for him is of the quarterbacks that were taken in the draft this year, he has the highest floor, which means he's not going to be abysmally bad or he shouldn't be bad. But the other guys, Field, Lance, right? Wilson. Yep. Yeah, they all have high ceilings, but also incredibly low floors, too. And we saw that with Zach Wilson in this game. Four interceptions looking that bad is yeah. his floor. Mac Jones probab probably isn't going to look that awful unless the game is ridiculously out of hand and they're asking yeah. him to do that a lot. So I, I personally feel that the way that the team is constructed is fine. And do I see them as more than a 10-win team? Probably not because they do have a tough sled. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, you're, you're, you're a rookie quarterback. Like yep. it's, a, it's a lot to ask. And not many guys come in in their first year and and dominate it just doesn't happen that way it's a it's a rarity like the andrew lux of the world don't just pop up every every, every day and every year even trevor even, lawrence is struggling and even patrick mahomes had that same thing too i mean of course he didn't get the play right away but you know he wasn't like he wasn't in you know patrick mahomes his first year yeah he he lit it up but he wasn't like he is now so even he had some rough patches oh yeah and and yes, he did not play right away. So Mac Jones is is playing right away, and I think situation matters in the draft. Mm -hmm. When you when you look historically at quarterbacks that were taken in the top fifteen, uh, especially in the top ten, so many of those guys that failed failed because their situation wasn't any good. Uh, look at the Giants right now, Daniel Jones. Yep. I, I, Daniel Jones isn't a great pick because he's not a great player. But he certainly is even bigger of a mistake because of where he was taken. Mitch Trubisky, right? If Mitch Trubisky is taken by another team, and the Bears are showing us now that they're incompetent again because they're starting Andy Dalton for some strange reason. Uh, yeah, despite, I, don't, I don't get right? that. Yep. 
and, <laughs> and 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 so Mitch Trubisky is in that system. Let's uh, uh, actually the best example that we could use is Sam Darnold right now. Sam Darnold plays two years with Adam Gase, looks terrible, and now he's oh, it, was two a, games, it was abominable. It was bad. Two games in with the Panthers, and he looked great against New Orleans the other day. And New Orleans doesn't have a world-beating defense, but they have some playmakers there, and that's a huge confidence boost. So your situation matters, and I think Mac Jones, if he went to any other team might not have worked out because I think the schemes that those teams are running is not uh, commensurate of his skill set. So Bill Belichick looks and sees a guy that can play just like Brady, not going to wow you, but he's not going to lose the game for you. And that's the key in my mind is Mac Jones doesn't need to be the guy right now. He just doesn't need to screw it up. He just needs to be there and play the way he needs to play. Exactly. And I think that this game is a perfect example of this. If the Patriots yep. win every game this year, 25 to six, and he doesn't throw a touchdown, I'm fine. Yeah. And that's, you know, another thing I was going to say to you touched on, you know, a great point that I was, I wanted to get to was, you know, with Mac Jones, it's funny because you hear of all the critics this year, right? Like, Oh, well, and everyone's trying to base it off of the whole, Whatever you want to call today's NFL in quarterbacks, you know, everyone wants a rushing quarterback. Everyone wants that. It's funny because everyone's, you know, everyone's immediately assuming that Mac Jones is hyped, overhyped. And honestly, I, I still think that he is very underhyped, not overhyped at all. I mean, he doesn't, you know, a lot of teams are already, you know, not even teams, a lot of people, critics, everyone's doubting him already because of the fact that, you know, he's in an NFL roster now and that he might not play the way he did at Alabama um, and that his play style doesn't match someone, the likes of Zach Wilson, Reed, you know, does that constant rollout like you saw in the, you know, highlights and stuff. And you got guys like Trevor Lawrence and everything. Well, you know, Mac Jones doesn't do that. And, you look at how the NFL is built today, you don't see that. So when you see it differently, even though it's what everyone knows, Belichick still does that. But because of the way NFL is today, you immediately assume that that's what you're going to see out of these quarterbacks. And so I think that that's why Mac Jones is also such a rarity too. And you just – like going back to the same point of he's not going to wow you, he isn't going to. It's – how Brady, you know, I'm seeing a lot of Brady early on Brady in Jones right now with the way Jones has been playing. Not going to wow you. Isn't he, he's, he's zipping the ball, but he isn't zipping it like, like he's going to like win you, uh, get you to, he's not going to get to the Pro Bowl throwing the way he's throwing, but he's getting you the ball up the field, which is all you need to do. He, he has good awareness, good pre reads, pre snap reads, just like Brady does. You know, moves up in the pocket when he needs to, moves out of the way, can get around. He's not, you know, he's not that agile, but can get you around. He can get around the pocket, get the ball out where he needs to, take sacks when he needs to. He's good situational awareness and all that good stuff. You know, and it's it's really not going to wow you. But with the expectations I have for this team is, and I instantly think of, when I think of this 2021 Patriots team, you know, you have all the running backs and then, you know, with this being a run team, I definitely foresee, as I immediately think back to that 2018 Patriots, right, where they, the whole playoffs, they ran the ball all the way down constantly. Um, 
specifically more in the playoffs, but it was more on the tail end. I mean, they were kind of doing it throughout the year. It was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more blocky, a little bit more kind of not really there. And then the playoffs towards the end of the regular season, going into the playoffs, it really sharpened where they, you know, they took off the first half of the, of the, of the quarter, you know, they'd start out with the ball and drag it down to seven, six minutes left and they'd score. Um, and that's how, that's how they'd score first. It ain't going to wow you. They got the job done. They got it where they needed to. They played traditional. They played a bell trick way. They played it old school. And I think that if anything, if this season goes any way, the way the 2018 team did, this is going to be a success story. I truly believe that. I think what you're, what you're speaking to specifically is that uh, Chiefs AFC championship game in 2018, where the Patriots uh, were able to have an effective running game that really took the Chiefs off guard. And that speaks to what the the Patriots do schematically is they look for the weaknesses in a team and they try to exploit them the way that they can, which is why scheming for a Belichick uh, team is so difficult to do. But it's difficult to do when you have Tom Brady as your quarterback. And I think what limits them this year, and this is just a, a minor, I guess, tweak on what you're saying, is that we don't know what Mac Jones is going to do. But to yeah. go back to your point about the draft. So the draft and in, in my job in, in the real world, so to speak, is a project manager. So I do risk assessment for a living. And essentially what you're looking at in the draft is is glorified gambling, which is glorified risk assessment. Right. Because yep. every draft pick, in, in, especially in the first round in, in the top 15, is capital. Right. It's worth something. And most of what each of these franchises is looking to do is hit a home run. And that home run means that you're looking at guys with high ceilings and also low floors, like I talked with before. And the Patriots are not looking for that. The Patriots are looking for a guy that can be there for 10 or 15 years and and, and be a solid guy with the system that they're currently running. Because they they drafted Mac Jones to be a fit in the team that they currently had constructed. Most of what these bad teams are looking to do is build the team around this new commodity. And that's a difficult ask. It's a really difficult ask. And what most teams who have gotten the first pick have been able to do is already have some things in place. Like Andrew Luck, when he got ch- you know, he got picked, the Colts were the worst team in the league, but that's because Peyton Manning got hurt. So that was an easy way to transition. So essentially, Andrew Luck took over what was a good team before then. Uh, Baker Mayfield got drafted by an 0-16 team, and it took them a little while, right, to get to get going. A couple yep. of coaches, uh, some some additions, especially on the defensive front, and they they changed the way that they wanted to be. And now look at them; they're being successful. And I think that's what the Patriots are: is are they are going to scheme it in a way that that fits their strengths. So this coming weekend, for instance, they have Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston we already know is a guy who's very turnover prone. So I would not be surprised if the Patriots are going to do the same thing that they did against the Jets. They're going to say to Jameis, well, then beat us uh, because Zach Wilson was asked to do that as well. The Patriots took away the running game and they made Zach Wilson beat them and he can't right now, or at least not the way that he played. And I think Jameis Winston has a very similar skill set um, to, to Zach Wilson because we know he's very turnover prone. I mean, the guy has had a 5,000 yard season. He's also had a 30 interception season. And that's not going to fly in today's NFL. So that's where I think the Patriots are fit to win in any way that they can, except putting up like 38 points a game. Like they're just not going to be able to do that. Uh, But I think 
those the you know the close games uh the, especially as we get into the winter time colder season you know bad weather games i think the patriots are much better suited to win those games and some of these teams that come in with high flying they're they have you know these high flying guys if they can take away the best weapon on the team they're going to ask the their opponents to beat them another way and that's where things get difficult so like can Jameis beat them throwing 50 times I'm not sure about that because he didn't look that great in week two, despite everybody freaking out in week one because he threw five touchdowns on 14 completions. And he's not doing that against New England either. If we if we saw out of New England's defense week two, certainly not doing that week, you know, week three against the Patriots this week. Um, yeah, I don't – and to go back to your point about, you know, we're, we don't know what we're going to see out of Mac Jones. Um it's going to be a running team for sure, you know, because we don't know. We Like you said, we're not going to know what we're going to get out of Mac Jones yet. We don't know. So this is definitely going to be a running team for now. And like you previously mentioned before, he's just got to be there. Mm-hmm. He's just got to make the read, figure out where the ball's got to go, make the simple read where the ball's got to go, get the ball to him, and just do his job when he does throw. Um, yeah, this team, like we keep saying, this team isn't going to wow you, but they're going to do it the way that they need to in an effective way with what they have. It's not elite. It's not no Baltimore Raven team, Kansas City Chief team, maybe even, I don't know, Buffalo. I mean, they won 35 to zero against the Dolphins. So, you know, they're not going to. Yeah, they're not going to do any of that, but they're going to be able to get it down how they need to. And um, as far as this whole Saints team, yeah, Jameis Winston, he's not going to do to, you know, to New England what he did week one, you know, throwing five touchdowns all, you know, he's going crazy. Um, and, and him and Zach Wilson, they do share a lot of similarities there. And, Jameis Winston, what does Bill Belichick do best against, you know, interception-prone quarterbacks? He does whatever, you know, what everyone would try to do, get them to throw the ball. And they're going to take away that run, you know, that run game, and they're going to force him to throw. They're going to force it. And Jameis Winston, with what we saw in New England's defense week two with the sacks, if we bring the pressure – Obviously, that's going to cause the ball to want to go. It's going to cause him to just throw the ball because he's paranoid. He's eventually going to get real paranoid back in that pocket, and he's not going to be able to escape New England. New England's defense with you know Matt Judon, Dante Hightower, Juwan Bentley. He's not going to be able to get out of that. So he's going to throw the ball up, probably like what Zach Wilson did. A lot of terrible throws. He, um, what's that one he made? Uh, I think it was to he just lofted it up. And he didn't mm-hmm. even he didn't even need to do it. I think it went to D, uh, Devin McCourty. He just lofted it up there, and I foresee Jameis Winston doing that against New England too. Uh, he's going to get paranoid. He, he's he's just going to force it, you know. And New England's going to make him pay, and then they're going to take their methodical approach right down and score. Uh, or well, with New England's offense, though, I will say. It hasn't been 
the prettiest offensively scoring yet. And I know we're only two games in. We're not. We don't even have an identity yet. Although we're thinking run game. Um, they haven't really done all that good yet getting the ball in the end zone when they need to. They get good field position. They did a couple times, you know, they did against the Jets. They had it a lot during the Dolphins, but it was an abysmal amount of penalties. I think they went eight for 84. Um, they, 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 they got in a lot of good field position, and we just – something about right now, we were not able to get the ball in. And I, I'm, the little, a little bit of that might be also on Mac Jones too because he, he's not fully there yet. But I'm curious to see where that ends up taking us and how that ends up evolving as the season goes by. I agree. Um, here's what, looking at this game against New Orleans, so Patriots are favored by three points at home. They have about a 58% you know, win, uh, you know, predicted win percentage right now uh, for mm-hmm. this game, and I think that that makes sense. But here's where I think the Saints are very similar to the Patriots, it, except for the fact that we know what we have with Jameis Winston. So, uh, I'm going to name off some of their receivers and I want to see how many of them you're like, oh yeah, I totally know who that is. Because I think this is a, a similar situation where the Pats were last year. It's a veritable who's who of either they still play or who is that guy. I mean, think about this. They're set, they're, one of their wide receivers is Chris Hogan, uh, yep. a former Patriot who's been retired, right? Uh, Marcus Calloway, Deontay Harris, Ty Montgomery, and Lil Jordan Humphrey. Like None of those guys are wowing you. They're not Anybody who's a playmaker, Michael Thomas is out for a while. And then tight ends, Adam Troutman. Like these are who's not yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, it, these are not big weapons. And one, one of the things I said on my show when I did my preview of this division is that the saints are going to be interesting because they're going to get a pass because they're a Sean Payton, man, uh, you know, coach team. And he's been getting a pass since he won a super bowl, which is now 12 years ago. Um, and, and this team doesn't have a lot of weapons. They're losing a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees, and they're replacing him with either Taysom Hill, who we saw last year has flashes, but he's not a, tr- a prototypical quarterback. Like, I don't think he's a starter no. in this league. No. And then you have Jameis Winston, who was jettisoned from Tampa because he was too turnover prone. And guess what? The team he won a Super is. Bowl when he was gone. So yep. uh, you kind of, you know, Everybody was like, oh, Jameis, maybe he's going to be better after that first game against the Packers. That game wasn't very informative. The second game was very informative. And I do see the Patriots being able to scheme against a guy like this. And they've, you know, Belichick has faced him before. I think you are right in the sense that they are going to want Jameis to win the game for, for the Saints. And that is going to be a heavy ask given the secondary, given the, the defensive prowess that the Patriots have had. And if Jameis makes enough mistakes, that could turn the tide. I mean, that that that's what helped the Patriots be so dominant against the Jets for turnovers, right? You you turn over their quarterback that many times, and you're going to put yourself in a place to be successful. And so I think that Jameis is going to be asked to do a lot, but there's not a lot of weapons for him to do things with, right? Mm-hmm. And that is huge. That's a huge thing in this league where these teams have, you know, not a lot of talent at the wide receiver position or the running back position and their quarterback is in a tough spot because they don't have anybody to to really throw to i mean tyrod taylor is a decent quarterback but the texans don't have anybody except for danny amandola apparently who somehow came out of retirement to be a texan which i don't understand at all which Um, wasn't he like halfway from actually like actually kind of retiring yeah he he was was done 
somehow the Texans of all teams who I had as one of the worst teams in the league this year convinced him to come back. So, <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure. I'd be like, now, you know what? I'm good. Uh, I'm only coming back if I can chase another ring. So, Which I don't see production out of that either, by the way. Just putting it out there. No. I mean, there's no – no. I mean, and that's why I use Chris Hogan. I like Chris Hogan. He had a great little stint with the Patriots, obviously. Uh, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's playing with Tom Brady. And Brady is a guy who elevates players. Yep. Um, and, I mean, look what he did in camp out of just one year. Yeah. Now, granted, they have a roster that is very stacked of guys that are – it's basically like can we get one more good year out of these guys because yeah. they are at the end. And Dominican Sue is toward the end of his prime if he's not already out of it. The whole Antoni- roster is towards the end, yeah. Yeah, Antonio Brown might have one good year left. Uh, Gronk somehow is playing like Pete Gronk, but you're not going to see that every week. But like they have, they have just enough. But what the X factor for that team – is they know what they have in Tom Brady. And a lot of the teams in the league right now are trying to find their identity this way. And I think the Saints are are one of those teams. So the Saints are are playing a first place schedule and uh you know they're they're turning over from a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's a huge ask. And I think their season's going to go more the way that the Patriots did last year than mm-hmm. any other season that they've had since Drew Brees took over. Yeah, and I I think too you know, looking at this whole, you know, Saints team right currently right now, I, I, I really don't see. And like you said, you know, the the receivers, the 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 tight ends and stuff. Who are they? I mean, that was a lot with us actually with Jacoby Myers, uh, Nikhil Harry, twenty twenty, our leading receiver was. Jacoby Myers, he was our most reliable target, and he wasn't even consistent. Um, so, and then you look at their guys. We're you know exactly similar in a lot of ways, really. Like you like you mentioned, um, I and you, I, I'm, I'm I've always been a realistic fan here. I'm gonna say it right now. With how much we've mentioned. Our team isn't going to wow you, hell, nor are the Saints, actually. But I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring battle, if you want me to be honest. I I truly think it may go in the 20s, maybe. Um, it may go similar to what how we played against the Jets, you know, maybe 20-25. It might be a little bit closer than that because it's the Saints and we're facing Sean Payton. But I think, personally, it's going to be – a relatively close game and it's going to be a battle too, for sure. But I think going back to what I said, I think Jameis Winston's definitely going to have to throw a lot. And it based on what we saw week two, new England's defense, it's looking pretty solid right now. So they, they might be doing a lot of forcing on him to throw that ball and make yeah. him uncomfortable in the pocket. Yeah. And if the Patriots can do that uh, every game this year, I think they have a chance of being a 10 win team. Uh, and I'd think- be happy. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I, I don't think I think their ceiling, if things go right, would be eleven wins, but I, I don't see that. I think this more, is still a transition period for sure. It with is Mac but Jones I, being new. But I think ten wins may be enough, depending on how some of these other teams play. Um and, and they could be in the hunt for a playoff spot with Mac Jones, and I think that'd be excellent to be honest with you. Uh yeah. and they would again be afforded playing a you know second or third place schedule next year. 
and you hope they can bring some guys in. They have another good draft, and and there's a lot to look forward to in New England. But I think that you know you want to see what you want the blueprint to be what they did against the Jets, but they're not going to be afforded that talent disparity every game. And you know to to be fair to Jameis Winston, he's been in the league now for seven years, so he's seen a lot, and he can he he does have a high ceiling at, at times. So they they can't take him lightly. But I think if they stick to the formula of you know, making sure he's under duress, getting to the quarterback with four and making him take the game on his shoulders, they have a better chance than letting him be as efficient as he was against the Green Bay Packers in week one. And yeah, and to go off of that too, I know I keep mentioning whenever I talk about this game, going back to week two, if if this game, New Orleans Saints game was week two and we were to be and we were to be getting the Saints after what we saw against the Dolphins. I may be saying something a little bit different. Um, I'm solely going off of week two and yeah, Jameis Winston has his spurt like we saw week one, five touchdowns. You don't see that a lot. And but the reason why that doesn't personally scare me is because that's not a consistent thing. I don't even remember the last time he's even done that. Right? So um and another thing I wanted to say too is you know, this season is going to be growing pain still. It's going to be a transition period still where, you know, we're getting Mac Jones adjusted. We're getting all of our guys back. We've we got to build chemistry on that defense, you know, bringing in Matt Judon. Kyle Van Noy's been here. You get Jalen Mills. You get um, Raquan McMillan, but he got injured. And a whole bunch of other guys. And so I think that, you know, you look at this and – I what what kind of came to my mind when you were speaking was that 2001 Patriots team right when Tom Brady came in he played he played spectacular that season but they still ended up not getting the end goal of a Super Bowl um or they did but I'm talking what was it the 2000 season not the 2001 um the year that he was drafted Cause no, right. what was that game? They made so, no, they yeah. made the playoffs that won. They made the they won the Super Bowl two thousand one. They did, and then they it missed. was one of those seasons. I'm mistaking it where Brady played. I'm I must be thinking. I don't know what I'm thinking of. I was thinking of a season where I'm trying to remember. I was pretty young when Brady's career my age spans over Brady's career so right. I was really really young I'm trying to think here I can um, I can spout it all off for you because I was in college when all this happened um yeah. so 2001 was the year Brady took over in game yeah. two uh you know the famous hit with Bledsoe they won the Super Bowl that year over the Rams as we know 2002 they went nine and seven and missed the playoffs and That's the year I was thinking of. 2002. Then 2003, yep. they started the season two and two, and then ripped off uh, 12 straight games. Finished 14 and two. Won the Super Bowl against the Panthers, which was a great Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They won. In, they won in 04 against the Eagles. That was their first three out of four. And then they went through a pretty big lull period where they didn't win again until 2014. 2014 uh, against, against the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that was a completely different team. Obviously, that was a team that had, um, you know, that that had Brandon Browner, uh, Darrell Rivas on their defense. Like that was a very defensively stout team. They still had Gronk on the team, obviously 
Uh, Brady was still in his prime. So, or, you know, cl very close to his prime, if not at what we could, what we thought was the tail end of it, but um, you know, <laughs> he's still in his prime apparently. So, uh, yeah. you know, that, that, that Patriots team, you know, they, they you got to remember they drafted Brady as a sixth round pick. Like nobody thought that he was going to be anything. And a, a lot of what happened with Brady was, I think, you know, circumstances in his own will, but a lot of people now want to dive into the narrative of was it Belichick or was it Brady? And yeah. I think, I think there is no Brady without Belichick because I think those early years, you know, there's a lot of things that Tom Brady did correctly and you saw him grow and grow, but Tom Brady is not playing, you know, he was not playing the way that he does today. And the Tom Brady today is at a whole other level than the one that started 20 years ago. And I think a lot of that ascension has to do with Belichick, the coaching staff there, having because the game you plans. saw that in him. Yeah, and you get, yep. but you the more success that you get, and then you know they continue to give him weapons. Obviously, that 07 team that almost went 19 and 0, and that's huge, right? They had Randy Moss, mm -hmm. who's a Hall of Famer, possibly this. I mean, in my mind, Randy Moss is the second greatest wide receiver of all time. So, who's your number one? Jerry Rice. <laughs> There's no well, argument there. So yeah. it, when, when I go to wide receiver list, it's Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and then we can start the conversation after that. Um, mm. A lot of people have Terrell Owens three, but, you know, there's there's a lot of people that you could talk about. But so when you have that and then Wes Welker had 100 catches, I think, three seasons in a row or you know something like that for the Patriots. Uh, that's that's a lot like that. That's that's a lot of talent that they had there. And that team was just so good. Um, and they just never made it to the goal. And that's, I think, a story that's interesting about the Patriots is they've been most successful when they've gone back to their roots as a team, when they play situational football. Yeah, uh, They can win any different way. And those teams that were fun and gun, if you will, who the high-flying teams that had, 50, you know, Brady had 50 touchdowns that year, yeah. you know, those teams didn't make it. And it's mm -hmm. not an indictment of that game plan. It's just in the Patriots story arc in the Tom Brady era, that's not what got them to the promised land. It's grinding those games out, winning how they had to. I mean, that Seahawks Super Bowl, they had to come back in that game. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they needed an interception late to seal the game. I mean, that was a very close game. The Falcons game, they were down 28-3. So many things had to go right for them to win that game. And then I think the, the cornerstone win in this last three was the Rams game because Belichick outcoached McVay. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, and, Exactly. And, and that's where I think they are successful. So I don't buy into the is it one versus the other. I think that Tom Brady is who he is today because of the fact that he was in the situation with Bill Belichick. And I think they grew together in those first, you know, three or five years. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, they, they broke off from each other in the fact that Brady started to become himself. And um, I, that's just the way that I see the Patriots. And so I'm at personally happy with the team construction the only thing that concerns me is bill belichick's 70 years old now so yeah what is the plan for the future because i i like to think and that's that, where my head was going too you know, well i'd like to think that they're setting it up first that the heir apparent who I, I have to think is mcdaniels if he doesn't take another job between then and yeah. it makes a lot of sense because they bring in a guy that works with the offensive system that mcdaniels is running um you know he takes they over give him an coach. upgrade they give mm -hmm. them an upgrade in positions and well, yeah, but also Mac Jones is now comfortable with, they're not changing over from yeah. Belichick's system to this system. And I think that that does 
bode well because consistency is very key for a lot of these guys. Um, one of the things that I think is making the Browns so successful is this is the second year that Baker has had the same game plan, a game plan that worked last year. And he's only going to get better the more consistent that they are. But so many of these bad franchises suffer from the fact that they fire coaches every three years. Yep. And there's no consistency in these things. And these guys are going through offensive coordinators and quarterbacks coaches and new head coaches. And you're learning new playbooks, new lingo. Um, and, you know, it's, there's, there's something to be said about a coach being fired if it's not working out. I'm talking to John Gruden here. Um, and But there's also something to be said about letting a guy apply his craft and and seeing what happens building that consistency building that that trust and coaches don't get that a luxury anymore they just don't yeah and you know really great point first off i wanted to say too i don't know why i said 2001 totally meant 2002 um was really young though so that's that's a good break for me no um yeah, no, I don't know why you were I like said two? 2001. <laughs> yeah, I was three? like two. I don't know why I said 2001. I was thinking 2002, I said 2001. I don't know why. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, it's funny because everyone was mixed, you know, everyone was likes to joke around with New England being, you know, always having success. And it's like, well, look at what New England's doing, what a lot of these other teams do, don't do. New England keeps around the same head coach. He's 70. Tom Brady had him for 19, same offensive coordinator, multiple throughout the years, but we've had the same for multiple years. All these other teams, they have one bad season, offensive coordinator is gone, defensive coordinator is gone, head coach is gone, all new system. And then you have like Derek Carr, a perfect example with the Raiders. You have John Gruden, you had, what was his name? Um, Robert, was it? their previous head coach before Gruden. Oh, something I mean, they something had a whole bunch Nero. of something no, wasn't they had, that they, they had they had a whole bunch of coaches uh in, in Vegas in Oakland uh before yeah. then because they they went through a lot of guys. I mean they had that famous Lane Kiffin incident where, where Lane Kiffin was fired. Uh you know they brought in Jack Del Rio. Jack uh, Del Rio, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah they yeah. brought in Jack Del Rio on point. Uh, M- multiple got, guys. They got Art Shell out of a bingo game. That's an actual story that happened. Really? Um, yes. And um, you know, he was a former former coach, former player for the Raiders, and they just never got off the ground. And then they hired Gruden back. They got Gruden out of the Monday Night Football booth, and he had been away from the game for a long time. And there are times that it shows uh, in his game plan. You know, he wants to be a power run, uh, you know, you know, guy first, and it's just not the league anymore. And you know he, they're they're up to a two and zero start, but I'm not I'm not convinced. But I, I I'll share a story with you. So my dad is 74, and he okay. he is old enough to where he was alive when the Patriots weren't a franchise. So the Patriots came around in the 60s. Um, Boston and, Patriots. Know, yep, they they came around when he was gosh he was like a teenager. So you know he's seen everything with the Patriots. Um, and I remember growing up, I was born in 1983. And man, those Patriot teams uh, were really bad. The, especially in the yep. late '80s, after the Bears Super Bowl, the 1990 team might be one of the worst rosters ever constructed in the NFL. Uh, 30, 37-year-old Steve Grogan was your quarterback, and in 1990, quarterbacks at 37 were not doing what they're doing now. I'll just put it that way. And you know, I grew up 
uh, loving Drew Bledsoe because I was in seventh yeah. grade when he got drafted and I had his jersey, those starter jerseys from back in the 90s and stuff. And so I grew up watching the Pats with my dad and learning how to lose. I mean, Boston sports were loser town for the longest time. Um, growing up in Rhode Island, I, you know, I went to Fenway Park every summer. And, you know, I, I have a strong connection to the New England area because of where I grew up. And uh, I was just back there, unfortunately, for you know my mother's passing. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've loved the story arc of the Patriots and, you know, seeing them be this successful. And I don't know if this is different for you and you can you can talk about this. But, you yeah. know, it's not a detriment to you at all that you've only grown up knowing success. But, um, you know. I'm glad to hear that it doesn't skew your vision because I think there are a lot of your contemporaries out there. And I don't necessarily just mean podcasters, but yeah. other people, other Patriots fans, your age who, um, you know, they, they are disappointed in the team because they've only known success and they don't have a barometer for, Hey, this team stunk for a really long time. Like the Patriots were a nothing organization until all this yeah. happened. Yeah. And I thank you for bringing that up too. Yeah. I, I've always liked to, think of myself as a realistic fan a lot of people if you could imagine I mean you probably see why when I say this with all the success everyone's always thought of me as a bandwagon and I've never really cared if people ever really thought that because I knew right like I knew even though I grew up in the Brady era I knew Steve Grogan um you know when we back when we had Ty Law in the you know 2000s you know, yeah, and then you have oh, Corey yeah. Dillon and Asante Samuel, mm-hmm. um, all these guys, and I've always just like thought of me being a realistic fan and being an actual fan, and not just like, oh well, you know, we had success with Brady and all this and all that, and, you know, with Gronk, and then they leave, and everyone always thought I was going to leave too, you know, from the team, and I was like, no, because. Even though Brady, Gronk are gone, you still have Belichick. He's going to do something. Anything that he does, he's always said, I'm going to do the best decision that's going to – That's I'm going to make the decision that's best for the football team. He said that back when they had Brady, he's still saying it now. And so, you know, it's something to where I think that this team – and that's why I'm really happy to see that they're having early, somewhat early success right now because I didn't leave, and a lot of people have, I feel like. And what I like about this team now, and honestly, like, having Brady gone, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a nightmare. Honestly, it's nicer now because now we're going to see the true fan base, and we're not going to have people saying that, you know, our our whole, like, fan base is a whole bunch of uh, bandwagon people because we're going to have more true fans now because, or like the, the actual fans, because it's a more realistic thing, like just a regular team. We're not looked at as, didn't you ever, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but like we're not a super team, but when we had Brady, we were looked at as one. And now we don't have that. So now it's like any success that we have, it's solely because of what Belichick has done and what the culture they've brought to this team, to this football team. And I think that just that alone and just knowing what we had and knowing what we 
continue to bring is just fun fun for me to watch. I don't you know, I don't know if it's because of all the years that I've watched New England, you know, New England Patriot running teams as our offensive identity or something like that, but something to that to me is funner to watch than someone like Patrick Mahomes throwing eight touchdowns. And don't get me wrong, that would be fun to watch. But something about it for me is I would much rather watch someone go off in a running game than passing because what do you see it more in? Passing. You don't see it in running that often. So I think that when New England wins a game really solely on running is really, really fun to watch. And that's what's honestly kept me around. And I think it always will. And I don't ever, you know, would want to leave this team. So it's really, it's really special too. I think that depends on perspective. Um, you know, I, I enjoy watching many different types of football, but yeah. you know, what you're talking, what you're speaking to right now is, is the direct dis is you, <laughs> my wife's fandom for the Dallas Cowboys is a direct descendant of what you're talking about because uh, you know, she and her family were a military family and they lived in the Dallas Fort Worth area for a while. And this mm. was in the heyday of Cowboys in the nineties. And, you know, they, their whole family picked up Cowboys fandom and you know what they are to this day. I just, when I was picking up my son, I was talking with my father-in-law about Mike McCarthy, not knowing how to manage the clock this past weekend. And, you know, they have been riding or dying with that team since the nineties and they've had nothing of, of any sort of success since 1996. Uh, but they're still riding with them. And I think that is kind of the point of being a fan is you, you know, you ride or die, but the concept of being a fan these days is so different. Uh, sports used to be regional. And I talked about this with the guys from fan base radio. I don't know if you ever, you ever, ever, yeah. ever listened, but we talked yep. about this and, and you know, it's like sports are so much different now because our exposure to every single team is, is out there. And you can root for and know everything about a team in L.A. if you live in Boston. It's just that way. And I'm thankful that I grew up in a time where regionalism mattered. And even though I moved and went to Virginia for, for college, I still identified with those Boston teams. I mean, my college years were ridiculous because the Patriots won three Super Bowls while I was in college. The Red Sox broke their 86-year curse while I was in college. Like, like that's insane. It's to, to have off. to have all of that happen uh, in such a short amount of time. And again, you know, having grown up loving the team despite them being stinky, um, you know, it feels good that way. So I think your faith is rewarded in the end if you stick with your team, because even if they go through a 10 year low period, that next feeling of success will feel even better. Yeah, and that's where, you know, it's almost kind of like I immediately kind of thought of, you know, back when we won Super Bowl, I think it was 51. Yeah, because that was the year that Brady finally had to serve that four years, four, four year, four game suspension mm -hmm. um, for the whole deflate gate thing. And a lot of people immediately left the team, you know, a lot of the fans or so we called them left the team. Left the you know left the whole you know fan base that we have, and then when they finally won, it just felt so much better because it was really rocky. You know there was a lot of doubting and all that good stuff, and then they finally win it, and then um, Goodell has to hold them the hand them the trophy, and that that one just felt you know, and then with mounting on top the twenty eight to three thing too, just made it feel even so much better. Um, 
if I had to select a favorite Super Bowl, that's got to be one of them. Although the most stressful, it was probably one of the more memorable ones for me. Yeah, and I'm sure we could uh, we could record episodes on your other show about you know football fandom and and things yeah. of this nature. You you asked me who my fa- who I thought the number one receiver of all time was, and you know I'm I'm always game for that kind of stuff. So you know you know how to find me if you ever want to talk that stuff because I do like a good faux controversy when you create a list that people don't agree with. Yeah, I think something about that like other people getting upset about things that you personally like or find joy in um, is fun because, and that's what kind of creates sports is everyone has that little divide. Everyone has that opinion. And I think that it all kind of ends up shaping end up one, in, one big interesting whole like topic that everyone can get into. And there's a whole bunch of different little storylines that people come up with and a whole bunch of the little different answers. And it's just, it's so fun to, you know, really, really get into that stuff and I think the whole controversy aspect of football is really fun to me and I I love it I mean a lot of people don't like it because it makes them upset because they're not viewing it the way they want it to be viewed and I just think that the whole like aspect of not everyone's going to agree is fun and it brings everyone together when it comes to football so um, I agree yeah so uh, I don't know if you had anything else, but no, I don't. Uh, I I appreciate you, you know, having me on and uh, yeah. and all that, and hopefully one time, you know, next time I can, uh, you know, introduce myself a little bit more formally to your listener base since they've never heard my voice before. But uh, you know, uh, I do appreciate you having me on, and you know, anytime you want to talk football, if it's not Pat's football, you know, just just let me know. I got my own show, as as you know, and uh, yep. I actually have two, uh, two. One's a football specific one, and one's my own that I do just general sports on. But I love to talk about sports. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, not just on the field, but that off the field stuff too. So, yeah. uh, you know, you know where to find me, my man. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, if you want to, you know, list out your shows real quick or whatever you want to do, that that would uh, that would be great. Sure. So uh, as I said, at the top of the show or near the top of the show, my name is Matty Ice. I am the owner and creator of Matty Ice Media, which is MattyIceMedia.com. So I, I kind of created my own media company over the course of the pandemic because I have wanted to support guys and gals like myself who are independent podcasters and creators. Uh, you know, I have a lot of YouTube friends and so forth. So yeah, I'm trying to get these people the respect and and visibility that they deserve in addition to my own um yeah so i'm the host of a podcast called drippin sports with matty ice which is like i said it's a sports show but i like to do uh different things i like to talk about not just what happens on the field which i do but uh, i have guests on and we talk about high level topics like uh, a couple weeks ago i talked about you know athletes and you know being more human uh with the exposure that they have via social media and so forth uh, and then I do a show now every week called Political Football with two other co-hosts where we, we do actually break down uh, in-game stuff. And, you know, we kind of put some uh, humorous commentary on it. Um, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. One of my co-hosts is a Lions fan. The other one is a oh, Jets boy. fan. So uh, there is a, you know, y- there is a lot of an interesting dynamic there. And uh, we have a really good time. So you can find that, you know, wherever you find your podcast and, and my website, like I said. Uh, and if you're looking to to engage with me personally uh, at Matty S Media on Twitter, which is where you found me, and uh, you know I'm pretty active on there, um, and I, I like to 
you know, support everybody else who's trying to do the same thing that I'm trying to do. There's a lot of podcasters out there. It's hard to get noticed. It's hard to be yeah. heard. And, um, you know, one of the best ways to do that is to cross pollinate with other people that are trying to do the same thing. So uh, I, I definitely appreciate the exposure on your end and I will reciprocate in kind one day. Yeah. And I really, you know, thank you a lot for, you know, taking your time to come onto the show and, you know, cause as you know, I just really just kind of created this podcast recently. Um, so it was really great to get someone on here early. And again, I really do appreciate it. Um, all your knowledge is, you know, fantastic. And yeah, I think that, you know, this season really will be great. And I'm excited to see what happens, uh, how everything kind of evolves, how everything shapes. It's definitely going to be a rebuild uh, season still. And so, um, yeah, I think that that'll basically kind of wrap it up here. Uh, this has been the Patriots Post Report with Maddie Ice Media. Thank you so much for coming back on. It was a blast. Uh, we'll have to have you on again and maybe vice versa. You bet, buddy. So sounds good. All See right, you guys sir. later.